Taiwan's preparing to welcome foreign students back into the country for the first time since the coronavirus pandemic began. The Central Epidemic Command Center announced in Wednesday's weekly briefing that final year foreign students can now apply for re-entry. Foreign nationals seeking medical treatment will also be allowed to apply for an entry permit starting August 1st. The CECC also said that three Taiwanese pharmaceutical developers have applied to start phase one clinical trials for COVID-19 vaccines. Yesterday, we safely passed 100 days with zero new cases. Today is day number 101. For 100 days, Taiwan has seen only sporadic imported cases and no local transmission. The national total stands at 455 patients. Most recently, nine passengers on a flight to Bangkok developed fevers, but all were declared COVID-19 negative. This morning, through the International Health Protocol, we received the news from Thailand that they all tested negative for COVID-19. Of the nine, only one or two still have a fever of over 37.6 degrees. The others continue to display some cold symptoms. The CECC had news for foreign students. From Wednesday, all final year students of foreign nationality are allowed to enter Taiwan, including for the first time Chinese students. From August 1st, medical services will be opened up to the world, and foreign nationals, including Chinese, Hong Kong, and Macau citizens, will be permitted to enter Taiwan for medical reasons. This will not include physical examinations or cosmetic procedures. Meanwhile, Hong Kong and Australia have been taken off the medium-low risk list for the first time as their epidemic situations worsen. The College of Public Health of National Taiwan University says that global infections could surpass 20 million before the end of July. With the hunt for a vaccine getting ever more urgent, the CECC has revealed that of the four Taiwanese developers currently searching for a vaccine, Adimmune, Metagenvac and UBI Asia have all applied to start phase one clinical trials. We have marked out 13.5 billion NT to fund vaccinations as just a baseline figure. We have relevant funds prepared, whether for encouraging domestic manufacturers buying the products once they're ready or for making purchases from overseas. If that's not enough, we also have a backup fund of 5.2 billion NT. As the epidemic recedes domestically, Taiwan's travel industry has seen a resurgence of business. But Health Minister Chen Shizhong was keen to stress that citizens should not abandon their masks too quickly. He asked the public to maintain strict hygiene habits as a new normal. Lawmakers want to make it clearer to the world that China Airlines and the ROC passport represent Taiwan. They passed two non-binding resolutions on Wednesday, urging the executive yuan to highlight the word Taiwan and Taiwanese symbols on the passport and China Airlines planes. The cabinet says changing the name China Airlines is an expensive and complex process that involves renegotiating aviation rights. Officials say that for now, they will look into new livery designs that make Taiwan more prominent. Officials also say that they will adjust the passport cover and the name cards of diplomats to put the spotlight on Taiwan. The Taipei-Shanghai Twin City Forum was held on Wednesday taking place online for the first time in its 11-year history. 
Taipei Mayor Ke Wenzhe echoed his remarks at previous forums, referring to China and Taiwan as one family and stressing the importance of continued mutual cooperation, understanding and forgiveness. Shanghai was represented by Gong Zheng, who was promoted from acting mayor to mayor only the day before. In remarks to the media, Mayor Ke said as cross-strait relations regress, maintaining the discourse at all should be seen as a success. Mayor Ke and his Shanghai counterpart waved to each other over a giant video link. This is the 11th annual Twin City Forum in the time of COVID-19. Still today, I believe that cross-strait exchange is better than cross-strait separation. Cross-strait cooperation is better than cross-strait antagonism. Loving our family is better than hating our family. I have always supported the five mutual principles, getting to know each other, mutual understanding, mutual respect, mutual cooperation, and mutual forgiveness. That last one is the most important. We continue to uphold the principle that the two sides of the strait are one family. This forum is an opportunity to reach a greater consensus, strengthen mutually beneficial and equal exchanges and cooperative projects, and provide a massive boost to our two cities' mutual development. Both mayors refer to the concept of being a family, with the mayor Kerr stressing love, not hate. In a display of equality, both cities' deputy mayors gave speeches. Just the previous day, Gong had been promoted from temporary mayor to official mayor. Reports claim that Ke allowed Gong to read his speech in advance in a show of friendship. Ke appeared with a script in hand in post-forum interviews. You didn't put the words cross-strait and one family together. Have you stepped back with that because anti-Chinese sentiment is growing? I'll get the script out now. For now, if we can maintain the discourse around cross-strait relations, then we're doing well. Because, in fact, everyone knows that right now cross-strait relations are, well, going backward, I suppose. So if we can maintain the discourse, that's good. I am not planning to try and further the discourse at the moment. This was the first official platform for cross-strait exchange since the coronavirus pandemic began. As the KNT's new guard continues its public soul-searching over the 1992 consensus, observers are asking if Ke might be seeking to grab that spot and set the tone for cross-strait relations in Taiwan. I have never discussed the 1992 consensus in any form I've taken part in. I think primarily we need to solve the problems that continue to hang between the two sides of the strait. Scholars have suggested you could replace the KMT as the leading voice of cross-strait relations. How do you feel about that? Ah, gee, I haven't thought about that. As far as we're concerned, we're just solving some concrete issues. In fact, I wouldn't pass the test for this topic. I think I'd get 65 on a USA test, 55 on a China test. Maybe I could score a bit higher with Japan. Ke said he'd scored just 55 out of 100 if rated on cross-strait engagement. But he stressed that cross-strait exchange should continue. This year, he's persevered with the forum despite the pandemic in what's seen as a sign of higher political ambitions. Lawmakers have passed a bill that allows citizen participation in criminal trial rulings. Under the Citizen Judges Act, verdicts will be decided by a panel comprising three professional judges and six lay judges. 
This new mixed court system comes into effect in 2023. All citizens 23 and older could potentially be summoned for service through a random draw. After three cross-party negotiations, a marathon plenary session, and 346 rounds of voting, the Legislative Yuan has passed the Citizen Judges Act. The law takes effect in 2023. After the third reading on Wednesday, the DPP caucus raised banners and hailed the advance of judicial reform. Outside the Legislative Yuan, opposition parties and the Judicial Reform Foundation pressed on with their protest. We condemn the DPP's actions, which undermine its own charter, its credibility, and the will of the people. We see that President Tsai Ing-wen is seeking to enact only superficial reforms. She has not achieved a true solution for the issues of the judiciary, which she does not really wish to understand. In the two and a half years before implementation, we will continue with our preparations and bring them to completion. I am confident that the public will soon be able to see the new face of justice, one that's based on two-sided dialogue. The head of the judicial yuan championed the law, vowing that the new court system would produce verdicts that resonate with the public. Meanwhile, the KMT accused the DPP of being con artists. It said the party promoted a 100% jury system while it was in opposition, then passed a different system after coming into power. I can't accept the DPP's explanation that it proposed a jury system to fight the KMT's grip during martial law. The DPP was still submitting bills for a jury system in 2017. Legislators Li Junyi and Wang Dingyu, there were so many DPP lawmakers who proposed bills to enact a jury system. You're acting as if we have no knowledge of this, as if we were blind. The KMT submitted a bill that provided for a mixed court system. This bill proceeded through committee review and cross-party negotiations. Then once we got to the vote itself, the KMT wanted to change the bill completely. Even then, we didn't accuse them of being con artists. Under the Citizen Judges Act, a judging panel consists of three professional judges and six citizen judges. All citizens 23 and older may be called up to serve as a citizen judge through a random draw. The law contains clear regulations and penalties on matters like compensation and bribery. After the system launches, a panel will convene each year to deliver a report on the effectiveness of its implementation. This new legislation heralds a new era for Taiwan's judiciary. Taiwan's committed to generating 20% of its electricity using renewable sources by 2025. So far, one of the most promising sources of power is wind. The Economic Ministry and the Industrial Technology Research Institute convened global wind power experts at a Taipei workshop on Wednesday. The event explored the challenges and opportunities of wind power, as well as solutions for a stable power supply. Whether power can be supplied to every household and every factory is an extremely important question. Especially important is how to keep that power supply stable. The Ministry of Economic Affairs and Etri on Wednesday held a workshop on key technology of offshore wind farm integrations to power supply security in Taiwan. The event brought together industry experts who explored ways to keep the power supply stable. There are a lot of technical challenges, and we need to face those challenges. To resolve these technical issues, we all must work together. We need to establish a complete production chain. We have to find some response measures to cultivate the next generation of talent. 
We're hoping that Taiwan can set out some regulations for the parallel connection of renewable energy to the grid, because renewable energy can create challenges and other problems for the original system. According to the consultancy 4C Offshore, Taiwan has 16 of the world's 20 best sites for building offshore wind farms. But variations in wind speed make it an inconsistent power source. At the Wednesday workshop, solutions for a stable supply were at the top of the agenda. Due to environmental factors, the power produced by offshore wind will fluctuate. So, of course, grid resilience is extremely important. It has to be able to make predictions and recover to its original state if there are mishaps or other circumstances. Taiwan is working toward the target of 20% green energy by 2025. Experts say a key challenge to overcome will be strengthening the power grid to cope with a variable electricity supply. A medical team on Wednesday shared their experience completing a COVID aid mission in Eswatini. At a press conference, they said the South African nation had been hit especially hard by the pandemic, like many other poorer parts of the world. During a two-month stay, the team shared medical expertise on COVID with local health care staff, teaching ways to lower transmission risk inside a hospital. It's Taiwan's national flag next to Esotini's. It's a photo of a medical team from Taipei Medical University Hospital. In May, the team went to Esotini to combat the country's coronavirus outbreak. The first time, it was a private flight. We took face masks, personal protective equipment, and 20 ventilators. That was the first batch of supplies that we brought along. When we received the news, it was late April. By then, the epidemic was beginning to slow in Taiwan, so we were very happy to get this opportunity to help our allies. The team was two doctors, a respiratory therapist, and an intensive care nurse. In May, with COVID debating, they headed to Africa, where the pandemic was at its worst. Over there, nurses' duties are different. There is one nurse who gives out medicine, and that'll be all they do, give out medicine. Then there is another who is in charge of giving injections, and they'll be the one to give injections to everyone. During an epidemic, if one person comes into contact with a lot of people, the likelihood of cross-infection grows considerably. So we gave them some advice about that. Another thing is that they have a severe shortage of intensive care professionals. Compared to Taiwan, Eswatini is poor in medical resources. There's also a lack of knowledge about COVID and related health guidelines. The Taiwanese medical team trained locals and shared their medical experience. After a two-month stay, they returned to Taiwan on July 1st and entered a 14-day self-quarantine. Later on, a passenger on the return flight tested positive for COVID, so the team's home quarantine was upgraded to home isolation. It was patient number 442. He kept coughing throughout the flight. He sounded as if he had a lot of phlegm. Of course, we wore gloves and washed our hands. We made sure to do all of that. The four medical professionals have since cleared self-isolation. They held a press conference with Eswatini representatives on Wednesday to report on their aid mission. The government's triple stimulus vouchers are giving a welcome boost to night markets. At Dongnan Market in Yunlin, vendors are raking in a combined 420,000 NT in vouchers every day. Meanwhile, at Taipei's Ningxia Night Market, some 1 million NT worth of vouchers were spent last weekend. These markets have set up exchange stations where visitors can trade in their vouchers for smaller denominations. The griddle is loaded with oysters and an enticing fragrance fills the air. 
When the egg yolks are almost done, cabbage is added to complete this night market must-eat oyster omelette. To pry triple stimulus vouchers away from customers, many vendors have rolled out special discounts. Pay 3,000 NT in vouchers at a restaurant in Taipei's Ningxian night market, and you'll get 500 NT knocked off your banquet meal. At another stall, buy 250 NT worth of Taiwan-style salted chicken with the vouchers, and it'll only cost you 200 NT. Last Saturday and Sunday, that is to say last weekend, we collected 4,000 NT or 5,000 NT in vouchers. The triple stimulus vouchers have been a huge hit, but most places don't offer change when you pay with them. To solve that, this market has launched vouchers of its own, which you can obtain at designated stands. The 200 or 500 NT vouchers can be exchanged for night market vouchers in smaller denominations. Staff at the exchange desk say between 20,000 and 30,000 NT of triple stimulus vouchers are exchanged every day. Last weekend, an average of 500,000 NT in vouchers was spent per day at the market, which is 180 stands. We are following what the government said about the vouchers multiplier effect. For the time being, there is no rush to collect the vouchers from the vendors. We actually encourage our vendors to go and consume with the vouchers. Over in Dongnan Night Market in Yuni Shiluo Township, some people have used their vouchers to buy clothes. A fried dumpling vendor says she's giving out complimentary snacks for those that spend the vouchers at her stand. If you buy from me with the triple stimulus vouchers, I'll give you some dried tofu for free. But if you pay with cash, I'm sorry, the tofu won't be free. The night market's administrative office has set up an exchange point where vendors can cash in their vouchers. The market says 420,000 NT were exchanged on the first day of the system. Taiwan's unemployment rate improved slightly to 3.96% in June, reflecting a labor market that's recovering from the effects of COVID-19. Official data shows that the unemployment rate dropping month-on-month for the first time in 29 years. But even so, 3.96% is the worst June unemployment rate in seven years. The data shows that 473,000 people were without a job in June. That's 13,000 fewer compared to May. Traditionally, the months of June, July and August see worse unemployment due to the flow of fresh graduates into the market. Multinational art group Ravenel's spring auction unfolded in Taipei last week. Strong bidding hit the trove of 149 contemporary pieces sourced from around the world. Yoshitomo Nara's sculpture, Your Puppy, fetched a staggering 64.16 million NT, the third highest price of any of the artist's works. This larger-than-life sculpture by Japanese artist Yoshitomo Nara is titled Your Puppy. It's an embodiment of a child's best friend, reminding viewers of how the world looks through the eyes of a child. At Ravenel's spring auction in Taipei, it sold for a staggering 64.16 million NT. That's a top three price tag for any of Nara's sculptures. There are only about four of these works. It's rare for such a large-scale edition to be here in Taiwan. It's the first time such a rare piece by Yoshitomo Nara has appeared. The auction also features works from British artist Mr. Doodle, who's known for his bold black line graffiti works. There's also acclaimed avant-garde artist Yoyo Kusama with the still life of a pumpkin. Pumpkin B was sold for 51.84 million NT. This painting was done in portrait mode, which is relatively rare. Although this work dates back to 1991, she used a hand-drawn method. 
On July 13th, Ravenel launched an online auction called Finest Tea and Asian Works of Art. A 10-year-old green tea is coming under the hammer. There are also 14 tea cakes dating between the 1960s and 2006. There are also 40 cultural relics. This is the first time. There is also a small-scale special auction that features poor tea. This one-of-kind online tea auction runs till this Thursday. For most of the news, Stephanie Yang, Zhang Tingxiang in Taipei. With domestic travel subsidized, this summer, tourist operators are pulling out all the stops to attract guests. If you feel a bit dragged down by the heat, there's a farm in Hualien that could be just the spot for you. It offers delicious rural dining in a most unusual location. Who knew getting back to nature at the height of summer could feel so cool? A delicious spread with cold drinks and iced fruit awaits these tourists. But the iciest part of the party is under the table. Everyone's toes are dipping in the stream water. I've never eaten in a stream like this before. It's special. There are fish swimming under the soles of our feet. The children liked it as soon as they saw it. Your feet are in the water and it's very cool. At this farm in Fata'an Wetlands Ecological Park in Hualien's Guangfu Township, there's a novel way to wash away the summer sweat. This banquet in the river allows guests to dine in the coolest style. The owners say they're taking care of river ecology too. We don't want to harm their river ecology, so we only let up to 15 people dine in the river each day. You needn't worry that it will harm the food and river's ecology because we're taking good care of it. The promise of food and nature all rolled into one has already attracted lots of guests. Meanwhile, over in Yilan's Jiaoxi Township, you can eat your ramen while dipping your toes in the hot springs. The kids are too small to sit outside, so we're inside. It's cooler in here. We probably won't ever think of switching to a cold springs. We have more visitors in winter when it's cold. The Jiaoxi culture is all about hot springs, so lots of tourists come here to try it out. The ramen and hot springs combo is more of a fiery option, not such a draw in summer. But inside with the aircon on, you can enjoy the feel of the water at a comfortable temperature.